You want to take your Bibles? I hope you brought one. If you didn't, I'll loan you mine. <coughs> A little loud here. And um, turn, if you will, to Revelation chapter 2. We're going to continue our little saga through the churches, kind of looking at the theme of Revelation through the eyes or the filter of the Old Testament. Because again, if we learned and looked at the you really could hardly, you, you definitely can't go a chapter, but much less on your heart, it can go a verse out of Revelation without some innuendo, direct quotation, a few words, implied uh, reference to the Old Testament. And we're going to look at some of that, but as we've been trying to crawl through the churches, we're now on uh, the Church of Thyatira, which is also an interesting church. It's one of the smaller churches, kind of really, in a way, kind of insignificant, but there's no insignificant church, not in Christ, not at all. Remember, Jesus said in uh, Mr. To You, there'd be two. I mean, a church is just, that's all it is, a called out believer. It's the believers that are gathered together. But uh, there's no big church. Sometimes we think a church that's got 10,000 members and they got a million dollar budget is greater than a church with five old ladies. No, no, not at all. Never think that way. Not, remember, God said, not by might nor by power. It's not by the numbers, it's not by the size. It's by the belief of the people. And we turn, if you will, Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. We're going to read from 18 down to the end. Before we even start that, I need prayer. I don't know if you do, but I sure. He said, he that have ears to hear, let him hear. But he also, the Lord said, if any man speaks, let him speak as the oracle of God. And if I speak as about peace of God, I sure need God's spirit. So with that, let's ask the Lord's blessing. Heavenly Father. Lord, you give us a new day, Father, as we call it a new year, but Lord, we know it's day with you is not but nothing, Lord, moment of time. But Father, for us, it is a time that we reflect as new, Lord. We kind of forget those things that are behind, and Lord, we seek to press on. And Father, we just praise you and thank you for the many years that you've given us upon this earth, Father, of your faithfulness and the faithfulness we see that you have to your church. But Father, we would also ask, Father, you said that he that have ears to hear, let me hear, that Lord, you would give the hearers and ear to hear your word by, by your spirit, Father, because it's your spirit that speaks to us. Even now, Lord, speak through me, thy servant, ask for your mercy, your forgiveness, and your cleansing. But, Father, we ask mostly that your power, that you'd meet with us even now, Father, and hear us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Well, as we begin, as we start going through these churches, I'm going to read 18 right down to the verse 29. So, open your Bible. Let's go. And under the angel of the church of Thyatira, right? These things saith the Son of God, who have eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are as fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. What a good compliment. Verse 20. Notwithstanding, no contraire, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her under great tribulations except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death. 
And all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts. And I will give to every one of you according to your works. The Lord makes it personal now. Verse 24. But unto you I say, unto the rest of Thyatira, and the rest of Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already. Hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works, unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star. He that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Here we see Jesus is once again taking this time to speak to this church. And this particular church is, I was doing a thing. This is the longest conversation Jesus had with the church. Just if you want to know, inquiry is killing you. 302 words. English, not Greek. Just took 302 words. This is the longest message the Lord has given. Because we see he's given the message when we started with Ephesus. We see the message was they were working, they were working, they were working, but they forgot who they were loving. Sometimes you get to serving God so much, we forget that we're serving God. We just now, we do it. It's church on Sunday. It's this on Wednesday. It's still, and, and we're, we're trained by the clock, not by the heart. And that's what happens. It's easy. We just, we fall into a pattern. Well, now we see the next church comes along, and we see Smyrna. Boy, Smyrna is just getting roasted. This is where the devil's now realizing he's got a problem. And the gates of hell are trying to prevail against the church. And with Smyrna, we see that the Lord doesn't rebuke them. He just tells them what they're doing wrong and just stops there. They're suffering. They're tribulation. Life, sometimes the Christian life is hard. You know, Jesus said that. We're to pick up our cross and follow him. There's times in their life, and a lot of us have known that, there's some years that are just a lot harder than other years. I mean, the things that hit us and come upon us. So sometimes we get ground down. And as we saw, as we came into the next church with Pergamos, what I call Church of San Francisco, I mean, where their teeth, Balaam was coming in, we, we see Satan's alive and well. He's got a throne. He's an active participant. Satan has his kingdom. We saw that last week where he's behind the kings. He's behind all the leaders and all the governmental authority. And Satan's got a voice, and he speaks. And we saw them. He's, he's trying to work through the saints in the church. But now we come to verse 18, the verse Thyatira. And, and we see, again, Thyatira is a small city. They also were basically famous for making purple. As we know in the book of Acts, there was a woman, Lydia, the seller of purple. She came from Thyatira. So she was there. So we see, another thing we see with this church is, and it's so much like today, is, I mean, and I've been saying this my whole life, people are people. We read this sometimes, and we read these churches, and we think of them back in the old days, and we look at all the ancient ruins, and you know, how could they build these huge temples to Zeus, and top of the mountains, just massive idolatry. Thyatira was the same thing. But they also, I'd like to say, it was a teamster town. Thyatira was where the guilds actually started. Bergamos had it, but Thyatira was like, you know, Jimmy Hoffa's headquarters. It was teamsters. You couldn't do nothing. You couldn't move in that town without being union, without being a guild worker. Everything you had to do. And so that puts the Christians in a lot of compromise, much like today. I was a teamster. I had a working union. Sometimes unions required to do things, but not like in this day. This day... It was almost like you joined the union. It was the Elks Club. It was it was the church. It was the Catholic Church. It was all in one. You did everything there. 
I mean, you gathered, but most of what they were doing was worshiping false gods. And as we're going to go through today, we're going to see that with Bergamos, they had Balaam. And we saw what Balaam did. What Balaam couldn't beat him, so he joined him. He tried to just, you know, a little influence, turn the church over, you know, get him to offer some idols, put some lust to the world, dang dangle some tantalizing tidbits of the world. And what happens is Jesus said, remember the parable of the sower? The sower went to sow. See, not all the fruit grows. Some of it comes up thorns and the cares of this world. It, it chokes them out. And that's what happens with the churches. We get choked out. And so now we're getting to the church in verse 18. We're coming to the church of um, Thyatira. As we see, these, these Christians were having the same kind of troubles as all the other churches. They were having the exact same problem to that sense. That's a picture of some of the ruins of Thyatira. Notice they, they kind of all have amphitheater, every one of them, because that was the big social place. That was, that was where they'd gather many times. But in verse 18, we're going to pick it up now. And under the angel of the church of Thyatira, write, These things saith the Son of God. You know, this is the first time Jesus said that. He's been given all these statements. And, and if you remember, as we go through these churches, we have to keep focusing back. In fact, if you will, turn back just to Re Revelation 1, one page. Turn back and, and remember when Jesus, the first appearance we have, the glory, the beauty, the majesty of our, our Lord. And in, in Revelation 1, when he turns around in verse 12, he says, I turned to see a voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like the Son of Man, verse 13, clothed with a garment down to his foot. Remember, Jesus, a, a, a white garment. Remember in the Transfiguration, they, the, they, they described it, he was so white, whiter than any bleach, any fuller can clean. He was so white. And so you picture, maybe you turn around and you look, and this is what he sees. He's seeing Jesus in all his glory. And girt about with the path with a golden girdle. He had like the high priest. I mean, he's basically looking, picture almost like he's looking like the high priest would. But verse 14, and his head and his hair is white like wool, as white as snow, and eyes as flame of fire. I mean, just it, trying to, how do you describe something that's so hard to describe? But verse 15, and his feet like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice of the sound of many waters. 16, and he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Back to Revelation. Now, Jesus in, in 18, he's telling us he's the son of God. This is the first time we've seen that. See, sometimes God's got to remind us. Sometimes we do have to remember, why are we here? What is our purpose? Chief end is to glorify God, is it not? But isn't, aren't we supposed to love God? What's the number one commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul. This is the first commandment. And the second is like unto the theme of the year. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And see, Jesus, sometimes we have been reminded of that. As Christians, we get so caught up sometimes in the Christian life, we forget to love the Lord. We forget to just stop. Like the nine, the, the nine. Where are the nine? You know how many people actually come and give thanks to God? Look at the sides of the room sometimes. Look at the church. Look around you. Look at people in your own family. I was just having that conversation last night with a young man. And and, and and he was looking back and, you know, he's he's where we were in all our stages. About 35, 40 years old, just buying a house, working like in, got all his kids. I mean, he, the Lord is blessing him, but he's not honoring the Lord. 
Now walking in the Lord's ways, and I was talking to him about that. And he said, well, I am thankful. I said, well, that's a good start because that's the first will of God. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Well, sometimes what happens, we come to these churches, they don't, they, we forget. We forget that Jesus is the Son of God. We forget that he was God and he died on that cross. We forget these things sometimes. But in verse 18, but he also reminds us, who have eyes, have eyes. Whole bunch of names of Jesus. When you call him the Son of God, can you can you think of some of the names of Jesus? Just besides the Son of God, I mean Emmanuel, Messiah, the branch. When we, we see these names he gives himself, the root of, of David, the branch. I mean, so many names that Jesus has for himself. But he also has eyes. And what we see here, when we see these verses, as we follow down, we see what Christ is like in point one. We're seeing it. He let us run, but we believe him, follow him. And in point B, see, he has eyes like fire. I know, like, you know, sometimes we picture fire. I mean, boy, you got flames and you're thinking anger. Well, yeah, he does that. Because we all want to think Jesus meek and lowly mild. But we're going to see when he's killing people and telling his death sentence, unless you repent, you're going to die. We forget that this is the God that made all the universe. He's the God of the Old Testament, too. When you hear, thus saith the Lord, that still does save the Lord to this day. God's word never changes. So even though he made these commands. But now, as we see, he's got eyes. And, and again, if we want to take a reference back, just take a quick turn back with me to Daniel. Hold your finger in Revelation. We're going to kind of bounce back to it. But then, Daniel's where we get this, this picture of him. And Daniel's had this vision. I mean, Daniel, boy, talk about Daniel seeing things. But in Daniel chapter 10, this is now the... It starts in verse 1 at the third year of Cyrus. So we get the timeline of Daniel. He's been there a while. Nebuchadnezzar's long out the picture now. He's been conquered. Belshazzar's out the picture. So this is getting later in days. And, it's, and, and Daniel starts in verse 2. He says, in those days, right, Daniel was mourning three full weeks. And he goes on to tell us that you know he didn't eat or nothing. And finally, in verse 5, he's having this vision. He's by the river again. And he said, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen. Wow, isn't that a marvelous? Whose loins were girded with fine gold of Ephraim. Well, doesn't that, and that's, remember Revelation 1.14, doesn't that sound like Jesus? He's wearing the same clothes. Verse 6, and his body was like burl. Wow, he's got, well, a brown, we'll just keep going. And his face was as appearance of lightning. Lightning. And his eyes as lamps of fire. And see, here we see what Jesus is talking to Thyatira. He's relating them right back. He's letting them know, I am. I am. In fact, he is. I am. He is the God of the Old Testament. His lamps were as fire, verse 6, and his arms and his feet as the color of polished brass, and the voice of his words like a voice of a multitude. Back to Revelation. Just one verse. Jesus says he has eyes. Direct takes it right, puts us right there in Daniel. Mm -hmm. And that implies everything that's going on with Daniel. Once, once they generally cite a book, for the most part, that's Jesus letting you know that everything that was going on there is what he wants us to know. But he doesn't stop there. And his feet was fine brass. You know, brass is always a judgment. Generally in the scripture. Whenever you read brass, it's generally you refer to judgment. Not always, it gets. Of course not, not every single time, but generally, remember, I think it was Amos when he said, I will make your heavens as brass. 
You, I ain't going to hear your prayer. I ain't going to listen to you. But what he's saying is, God sees us. Remember the word of God is quick and powerful, sharpening to us, sword that divides the soul. And so does the Lord dies. Because God sees. We see that he had the seven spirits. And what's that? The seven spirits before God. God sees all. God sees everything. There is nothing. Our problem is, is we forget that. We think we're the ones hiding. We think we're the ones sneaky. But we're not. God sees it all. But it's God in his love. God keeps on. But we see that he stands in judgment of us. You know, we will be judged. And the Bible says if we judge ourselves, we won't be judged. Why? Doesn't mean, well, I'm going to kind of beat myself. No. Take thought of your sin. What are you doing? Stop it. It's that simple. Remember Nancy Reagan? Just say no. Well, God says repent. Just stop doing that. Change your mind. Change your mind. Let's keep going. Verse 19, he tells us, he starts knowing that what he sees, and this is a good compliment to these churches. I know thy works. Again, we saw that. He says that to basically every church. Doesn't say to lay a seed though. Sometimes this church they got no works. But he says, I know that one. God knows what you're doing. God sees all. And he's even Mary and Martha and Lad, their brother died, the funeral trying to feed all the people, and she's all covered about. God saw. He said, she chose a good part, and he saw. Remember when he picked the Daniel? He said, I saw you before. I saw you when you're sitting under a tree. Before life ever started. You know what's going to happen to you today? God already saw it. Because he knows the beginning from the end. He says, I am up. I'm the first on the last. There's nothing between the, the beginning and the end that I don't know. And when we lose sight, when we think that God forgot about us, no, he did not. I know that works. And here's one that's different from any other church. It's the first one he starts out saying, I know that charity. I know that charity. That's a good thing. See, we know charity is basically <laughs> give to the alms, to the poor. But remember the, the love chapter of Corinthians. Just read it down. Read it down. All the way down to charity. Without without charity, I have no love. I'm taking a But what charity means is right there. Charity is the agape. It's the love. It's the same thing loving. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the first thing this church did. They loved. And then what do they do with that love? They turn it into service. See, look at point B, service. Deacon Noah, deacon, serve. These people love to serve. They love to serve. Now, some churches don't. Some churches, no, you can't get them to do nothing. Try to get someone to volunteer. <laughs> you know, you all got to give out a prize and, you know, gimmick and throw out some money to get people to volunteer. To do what? Clean the church. Well, that's a mundane, menial task, I know. <laughs> God did it. You can't. See, what's your service? But you know what? How do you do all this? How do you have the love and how do you serve? By faith. You know, the Bible tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Can't do it. Can't be done. You work and labor, yeah, bite your fingers to a bone. But we're going to see without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God. We see Hebrews 11 tells us there. It is impossible. You cannot please God. See, a lot of people work, and that's some of the problem with these churches we're going to see. Oh, they work their fingers to a bone, and they have no faith. They have no charity. They have no love. They have no patience. You see our fourth point. Patience is a tough word. That one is to endure, to carry a heavy load, you know, putting buckets on your side, bags of concrete on your back, walking uphill in the sand. I mean, you just got to get there. It's hard, it's hard, and it keeps getting harder. You persevere all the way through. 
that's what I always mean by being an overcomer. After you live this life like this with patience, see, we think patience is sitting in the corner quietly just waiting for the time to go by. No, but you need patience. That's how you possess your soul. Sometimes we do wait. But this patience is a patience to labor, to work, to toil, to actually work. And then Jesus goes back. After they, we see all these things, what did Jesus do? Takes him right back and says, and thy works at the end of verse 19, the last to be more than the first. This is a good church. This is a good church. I see a lot of things here happening in Elmira. People that love to serve, they love to serve. They just do. People aren't going to serve, they're never going to. It's okay. But see, they lost themselves a blessing. Because Jesus is always telling you what he's going to give you. What he's going to do for us. Remember when Peter, Lord, we gave all. We left everything. We left it all. We got nothing. Well, what are you going to give us? He said, it's okay. You're going to be sitting on the throne with me. You're going to rule with me. He said, there's no man that has left father, mother, wives, lands, houses, for my sake of the gospel, that shall not receive fivefold more in this present life. God will reward you today. You know, not every day, but I mean, in, in this time frame. But then every time we see these churches, it's always what he's going to do. Our promise, our hope. Where are we headed? What are we looking for? Verse 20 now, he starts changing the, the complaint. And here's where we're going to go. Take a little history lesson. Verse 20, notwithstanding, I have few things against you. Wow. Can the God of the universe look at you? Say, you got a couple things wrong. Of course we all do. We know that. We have that sin that so easily besets us. I mean, we're strong. We, we got faith to move a mountain. But man, and just like when Jezebel comes, a little stub in our toe, and man, we fall, we crumble, we just, our faith is weak. See, sometimes it's just that small little kink in our armor. But he says, I have a few things against thee. And here's where we go. Because thou sufferest. See, we have the complaint. Look at verse 2. What's the complaint? Jezebel. Because thou sufferest, that woman Jezebel. I don't know what, what, how much you guys know about, about Jezebel. We're going to go look at her, a little bit at her. Evil woman. Evil woman. Like I say, nobody even names her dog Jezebel. You know, it's right up there with Hitler, um, Mussolini. I mean, all the world, the latest crowd that we know, she was bad. But here's what happened. This is what Jesus has a problem with. He has a problem with this. I have a few things against you because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel. So you suffer. What that word suffers means you allow it. You live. You're not putting your foot down. These people have come sliding in the church. And we'll, we'll see that picture in a minute. They call herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication. And she repented not. When we see her, I got a little note on Jezebel here, point A. Jezebel, we see the first thing we see is right here. She called herself. She gave herself the name. It's her self-imposed title. <clears throat> I'm somebody. But you know the way I look at this? This is the first thing I see. With all these charismatics going on and the, the worship team leaders and the worship this and worship that. And then we got Mr. and Mrs. Pastor. I'm sorry. There's not one time ever that one woman ever in this world can be a pastor. And I'm sorry. You won't get mad at me. You can mail me hate mail from home. But the Bible says, I suffer not a woman to teach. 
not, not to teach the Bible, not to teach over men. It was an authority thing. And then Paul even so much to explain it. This is why. And it's not your fault, ladies, but Eve blew it back then. And you're paying the price of Eve every day of your life. Eve blew it. Because the Bible tells us she was deceived. See, women are, are easy. It's nothing for a woman. That's a strength you have at the same time. Don't turn it into weakness. See, because women get deceived. I mean, how many times you trick you? I mean, I pulled so much stuff on my wife. You know, tell her something just totally not true. And she's like, you know, like, remember the old one, the submarine oasis? <laughs> she was looking for the submarine. I mean, that was just some of the old things. Women are so easy to gullible. And, and it's a good thing, gullible, because they trust it. Their trust in their simplicity is easy. But in this case, she called herself on the prophet. And I, I, I get flyers, emails. I got one the other day, some church of Santa Claus riding on a motorcycle. I mean, really? That's exactly what Jesus is talking about. Idolatry, right smack in the church. Right in the church, under the name of these preachers, these Mr. and Mrs. Pastor, pa Pastor blah, blah, Pastor, Mrs. No. See, they gave themselves that title because God says I don't suffer. It says the husband of one wife. I'm sorry, in this day and age, the two wives don't cut it. It just don't cut it. God's word doesn't change. Jesus said heaven and earth will pass. But nothing's going to change the Bible. Now, the times they change, but the Bible doesn't. The Bible just stays the truth. And see, she called herself. She gave herself it. She put herself in this position, and the church didn't stop it. And when you have people that actually come and listen to a woman preacher, preaching. I mean, standing here like I'm doing and preaching. No, no. And sometimes they're good. I'm not saying they're bad. But God said it ain't right. That, does that make it right because they're good? They can out preach most guys? They know their Bible? No. Not at all, because you're in that position of authority that they were not, God never implied for them. But she gets worse. But she calls herself a prophetess. And then what's she doing? She's teaching. Doctrine. Remember Jesus said, beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees. Beware of the leaven of the Sadducees. And they all thinking, well, we didn't bring no bread. No, he's saying it's what they're teaching. See, as you eat their food, now next thing you know, you get a little more like them. A little more, a little more, a little more. But we see she called a prophet. She called herself. She called herself a prophetess. And what she's doing? To teach and to seduce my servants. Seduce, same thing. Deceive. Trick. Just real subtle. Just slide some of this stuff, Dr. And how would they do that? I mean, if they come out and say, Jesus is not God. Jesus was not born in the flesh. Well, some actually do but most of them don't know. They all praise Jesus and they worship Jesus and they love Jesus. But how do they give you that little bit of doctrine? Well, Santa Claus on a motorcycle. What's Santa Claus even doing in the same breath as Jesus? Much less the same month. Much less the same anything. That is idolatry. Straight up and simple. I mean, you, you cannot go. But see, we put the spin and we make it that it's all fun and it's comic book. What's the difference that little red guy hanging there in the idol of, you know, whatever? You know, Artifact of Diana. Remember, they were selling those. That's what they, that's what these guilds are. They're selling this stuff. Idolatry is rampant. And back at Thyatira's time, it's generally, if you didn't join this stuff, you didn't eat. It really was. It really was almost to the, the not so much as Mark, no one can buy or sell, but it made life difficult. All because Jezebel, see, she's sneaking in. She's subtle. She's teaching them to seduce my servant. And seduce always starts slowly. You know, you don't, you don't get seduced by just bam. You know, some people do, but most people, they listen a little bit. It's like Lot. Remember how Lot started his life? 
Him and Abraham, which way went? Ooh, that looks kind of good to me. <laughs> Took his eyeball, saw the best. Well, the Bible says he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Well, last thing we heard about Lot, he was running from Sodom. See, that's how he got seduced. Just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit at a time. Next thing you know, that church is so far astray, these people aren't doing anything. But then what does it also do? To eat things sacrificed unto idols. I mean, every time I read, most everybody I'm always reading is they're all physically telling, okay, what they're doing, this person coming into church and having sex. And we're eating, sacri you know, burn off and kill the cow, and we're eating the actual meat. But I take this as, Jesus isn't so much worried about what steak you have for dinner, or, you know, the, Catholic, the idols at the Catholic Church. But what happens is we get seduced because we listen a little bit and we accept it. We tolerate Santa Claus. Eh, a little Chris, you know, Santa on my Christmas wrapper, that's no deal. It's, I, I know he ain't real. So you tolerate it. You're allowing it. You're seducing it. You're tasting it. You're drinking it. You're starting to eat their doctrine. You're starting to taste their flavor. And if you got a, don't have a problem with Easter, well, I have a problem with you. Because we call we keep calling it Easter. Easter is the word Ishtar. Ishtar is a goddess. And every single time you open your mouth and say Easter, you're saying Ishtar. Hey, just like you say Jesus, God with us, Emmanuel. We see the interpretation of the word, but we're saying it. And we tolerate it. We, we're little bunnies, and it's okay. You know, you see Easter coming around, and all the little bunnies and eggs and churches are having an Easter egg hunt. What's that got to do with the resurrection? What's it got to do with the Passover when they put blood on the post? See, maybe that's a way to train our kids. Let's, you know, put, paint the doorway red instead of eating hunting eggs. But see, how do we, we tolerate? This is idolatry. This is straight-up idolatry in our Baptist churches today. But see, we, no, 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 that's not what he means. No, we're, we're going to go back and see what it means and, 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 and take, take a little run and looking at history. Turn to well to 1 Kings. Ahab, which was absolutely probably the wickedest king, and yet even God had some good dealings with Ahab. Oh, good, but generally speaking, no. Ahab was wiped off the earth. But in 1 Kings 16, there's just a small commentary. When Ahab's coming to power, uh, verse 29 of 1 Kings 16, says, In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, remember Asa, Asa was a good guy, began Ahab, the son of Omri, who was a bad guy, to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel and Samaria 22 years. Verse 30, And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord. So there's his commentary. Knock him down to one phrase of life. There's his whole life. 22 years being the king, God said he's evil. Not only that, he was evil above all that were before him. Wow, wasn't Jeroboam the one that brought the old idolatry in? But verse 31, And it came to pass, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, it just didn't even phase him. Sin just doesn't even bother him. It's just rolling off his back. But to add the insult to injury, verse 31, middle of verse 31, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. Well, just that verse is right there is enough. Look at who her father is. Ethbal. That's the first thing you see in there. <laughs> Baal. Right there in his name. He was the head guy. Not only was this guy the king, he was the head priest of this religion. 
I mean, they brought it. This is almost, y'all was going to say where it originated, but it was going on before him. But they, tired with just one hundred sold out. I mean, we saw last week, we're tired, but this is granted a few hundred years earlier, but we saw Satan speaking through the king of Tyre. Satan was alive and well right there, smacking Tyre. Now, here's the ruler of Tyre, his daughter. Why? Political alliance. Remember, most kings married back then because now he protects his northern border. Tyre was up to the north. So all, that northern border is all protected now. See, but he's still the battle with Assyria. And we'll see later Ahab had battles with that. But he took her daughter, who's the head of Baal worship, and then he says in the end, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar to Baal, verse 22, in the house which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove. Not just a small statement. It's very small. You just read right past that. But when you read a grove, well, guess what that is? That's Asherah, a.k.a. Ishtar, in her numerous desires of Diana. God, the devil just keeps changing the names of these same idols. And now we see, and he reared up an altar to Baal, verse 33, and he made a grove. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel before him. Now, this was his wife. Now, God's not here talking about Ahab. God's talking about Jezebel. Because we see Jezebel time and again. We'll see other verses as we'll, we'll continue to look through here. That Jezebel was the force behind the throne. Jezebel was the sneak and we'll see that again. Let me see. In, um, do, 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 do. When uh, let's go to Abraham when he took uh, the vineyard, twenty the twenty one. And um, yeah, turn over to First Kings chapter twenty one. Now the story's coming out. Ahab's already having some um, problems with Elijah. Neither to say, but now what happens is he's coming back, and now Ahab's relaxing for a minute. And in verse twenty one. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth, or chapter 21, excuse me, chapter 21, verse 1, that Naboth the, the Jezreelite had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab. So this was the palace right next door. And in verse 2, And Ahab said unto Naboth, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near my house. We're talking about a selfish old guy. And give me your land, because it's close by, and I will give it for better. But Naboth said no. See, Naboth was a man of God. He said no. Verse 4, Ahab came into his house. Ahab, he just pleased because the word that he wouldn't give me his vineyard. <laughs> Verse 5, here's where we're going to see some of the character of this evil lady. But Jezebel, his wife, came unto him and said unto him, Why is thy spirit sad? Why thou eat no bread? You know, in other words, what's wrong with you? And verse 6, and she said unto her, Because I speak to Naboth, the Jezreelite. And said unto him, Give me my vineyard for money, if it please me. Remember, you got a picture of Ahab. Ahab laying in the corner on his side, rolled up in the fetal position, sucking on his stomach, going, yeah. You know, he's throwing a tantrum tantrum. But here's, a, here's the evilness of these. Look at verse 8, 1 Kings 21 8. And so she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal and sent the letters unto the elders and to the nobles that were in the city dwelling in Nabal. What is she? Well, I talk about who has the power now? Well, she's writing letters. She's forging letters. She's the one running this kingdom. And she wrote the letter saying, Proclaim a fast, Naboth. In other words, she sets them up. And so after this point, down to verse 15, and it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned and was dead. 
Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take thy possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, which refused to give to thee for money, for Naboth is not alive but dead. Now she killed him. See how when you just start with a little bit of Jezebel, it just keeps sliding down the road. And see, this is what the Lord's referring to back in Thyatira. This Jezebel, this evil woman. Why? She'll do anything. Things got the, the, the traditions of God. You know, Naboth said no because it's my inheritance. I don't mean nothing. I don't mean nothing to these people. I sure don't mean nothing to Jezebel. But see, God in his love, verse 21, God in his love, and I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. What happened, long story, some of the story to continue the time on, as Ahab's going through life, and he's tangled with uh, um, Elijah. Remember Elijah, the Mount Carmel, the battle with the 450 prophets? But there's also another 400 from the grove, from the Ishtar crowd. They were Jezebel, but they fed a Jezebel too. Not only did they build it, the government actually sponsored it all, much like we have today. Catholic Church been sponsored by governments all over the world. And we still are. But see, he gave her space to repent because after after they did all this, Naboth, you know, killed killed um once he killed Naboth, that was the final straw, basically. Let me back it up. God said with with the blood of Naboth is the dogs are gonna lick your blood. And then not only that, God said to Jezebel, the dogs are going to eat you. You're going to get eaten by the dogs when you die. Well, God rose up a man named Jehu. And Jehu, me a zeal beyond zeal. Long story short, 70 sons of Ahab, all dead. Ahab, dead. Ahab killed. God said, and this forgive the pun, but see, if we're going to read this in this Old Testament, we think, you know, God wrote God said of Ahab, there's not going to be one guy that can piss against the wall. There's not one person that can pee. God ain't going to kill. And not only that, then he said to him, those that die in the field, the vultures will eat. Those that die in the city, the dogs will eat. Now, when we come here and we start reading this, I will give her space to repent of her for case she repent or not. Look at verse 22. Behold, I'll cast her into bed, and them that kill made adultery with her under great tribulation, except they repent. Now, I don't know if you caught the change of the word here vernacular, but see, it was, she's, what's she doing back here in verse 20? Teaching and seducing my servant to commit fornication. Fornication is sex outside of marriage. In the back of the words, outside of marriage. Now look at verse 22. Behold, I will, and see, that's not I might. That's not, uh, well, I, I'm not sure yet. Uh, what do we think we got to do here? No, this, Jesus said this is what he's going to do. I will cast her into a bed. Cast her into bed, huh? Well, that sure brings him back some symbolic language. We'll go to it in a second. But he says, and then commit adultery. Now see, who's the servants? Who's she trying to commit? She's trying to change the cause of her and teach and seduce my servants. These are believers. These are actually believers. They're my servants. They're servants of Jesus Christ. But what's she trying to do now? Commit them, commit adultery. Well, see, Remember, the Bible says we're married to Christ. What's the whole thing about in, in the Revelation that we're going to see at the end? Everything's about the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ, the whole new Jerusalem coming down. I mean, it's all we're going to be married to Jesus. Ephesians tells us that he's the head of the church, the body. God said he was married to Israel, and he gave him the bill of divorcement, and he put him away, and that makes the time of the Gentiles come. 
But see, now what's happening is she started a little fornication, little, oh, now you're full-fledged idolatry. You're not serving God at all. You are, in fact, serving another God. She seduced the church. You start hearing these people, they start talking, and yeah, they, they preach the Bible for a second, and then they're off in all these other tangents. I don't know if, if you, anybody experienced some of the preaching outside of this church, and you hear some of the weirdness out there. You know, I won't listen to a woman preacher. They come on, I just turn them off straight up. I don't care who they are. Oh, Joyce Meyer, never heard of her yet. There's not one time in my life I haven't had Joyce Meyer come on that radio and I shut it off. I'm sorry, I, I refuse to listen to her. I don't know nothing bad about her. I can't say she's got a hunt, but I won't even hear her to find out. I just won't. Why? Because I'm not going to let her seduce me. If she's already in not compliance, if she can't take the first thing, the, the first world of the Bible, and if she's disobedience to that one, what happens to all the other ones? In, in her whole life, her whole, whole ministry and disobedience? But see, now that God's committing adultery, the one we love, the person we love the most, now what are we doing? We have little Santa Claus, little Easter. Hey, we're Baptists here. No, you can't even take a little, a little leaven, leaven the whole lump. And so, see, now he's, he, Jesus is telling us in 22, he's going to cast her into a bed. And then they commit adultery with her in great tribulation, except they repent. Well, where's that bed at? Turn to Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57. See, again, this, this context, and you know, a lot of people have a problem with this because here's Jesus literally saying, I'm going to kill you guys. I'm going to wipe the church out. I'm going to take you out. Doesn't Paul tell us that the Lord's Supper, remember when people were taking the Lord's Supper, they're taking it lightly, and Paul says, even some of you are dying? You're dying because you're playing around with God. You think it's okay. You know, the Lord's Supper is as, as, as holy and simple as that is in remembrance the people that just, it meant nothing to them. They were trampled under a foot, the Son of God afresh, and the blood of Christ meant nothing. It was but a light thing. Back in Isaiah 57. See, God is judging us. When we start reading Isaiah, oh, Isaiah on idolatry, because that's what was going on at the time. Isaiah 57 each. Oh, I like this verse. I just Let me just pick it up in verse 1. I still admit, this was, this was a verse for Willie. The righteous perish, and no man layeth at heart. The merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. Well, I'm just digress. You know why sometimes good people die, and you just don't know why? Right here. Here's your reason why. God sometimes takes us home because he knows the evil that's going to be coming up ahead of him. Verse 8, he will enter into peace, they shall rest on their beds, each one walking in his uprightness. So here's a holy people. Verse 3, but draw, but draw near hither, ye sons of the sorcerers. Oh, wow. Sons of the sorcerers, seed of an adulterer and a whore. That sounds like Jezebel to me. Against whom do ye sport yourselves? Oh, who are you talking against? Against whom make ye wide mouth? Oh, you got a lot to say, a lot of talk. And draw out your tongue. Are ye not children of transgression to see the falsehood? Are ye not twofold more than children of hell? Verse 5. Inflaming yourselves with idols under every green tree. Oh, didn't Ahab make a grove? Slaying the children in the valleys upon the clefts of the rocks. Child sacrifice. And I, I, 
again, we're, we're adult mix, so I'll put a little out there. Remember they were doing child sacrifice? You want to know why? Because they didn't have legalized abortion that we have today. And the only way you can kill these kids from all these sexual acts you're doing with these idols is you had to offer them back to an idol. This was just another form of abortion. You couldn't kill them before, you had to kill them after. Verse 6. Among the smooth stones of the stream is thy portion. They are thy lot. Even to them hast thou poured a drink offering, thou hast offered meat offering. Should I receive comfort of these? See, they're offering their, their stuff to their idols. Verse 7. Upon lofty and high mountains hast thou set thy bed. See, here's what, what Jesus is talking about. The bed. Who you love. Um, even hither when the verse 8 behind the doors also thou and the post thou hast set up thy remembrance for thou hast discovered thyself to another than me right this is the adultery he's talking about and art gone up thou hast enlarged thy bed and made thee a covenant with them thou lovest their bed where thou sawest it you know, sometimes serving the Lord is just not as exciting, not as fun, not as thrilling, not as tantalizing as if you go down to this church. Oh, they'll tickle your ears. That's why I call this the church of itching ears. They heap to themselves teacher. As people said, the last days when they come, they heap to themselves teacher. See, the people allowed Jezebel. They allowed this prophetess. They allowed her. They thought the pastor's wife, well, she can come up and be the pastorette. No, you can't. God doesn't like it. See, did Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is that not correct? Well, if he's the same God back then, and he didn't like it, and he's telling us right now in Revelation he doesn't like it, and we say, well, you know, it's, that was the Old Testament time. No. You want, you want that some more? Turn to Ezekiel 23. Well, you, you read Ezekiel and see the idolatry that was going on. What we're seeing is uh, the mind of God, the heart of God. People turned their back on him and rejected him. Ezekiel 23, pick it up with 17. <laughs> this is with the Babylonians. Uh, let's, let's back it up on just a smidge. Uh, let's see, we pick it up at uh, verse 12. Pick it up verse 12. And in verse 11, their sister Ahola. This is Judah. And see, she doted upon the Syrians, her neighbors, captains and rulers, clothed them. The Syrians conquered, conquered the northern people. Israel is going to. And Israel and horsemen riding up on horses. Just, oh, when this army marched in, they just looking at them with smile. Ooh, these guys are good. Verse 14. And as she increased her whoredoms, the she being Israel, Judah. And when she saw men portrayed upon the wall the images of the Chaldeans, portrayed with the men, oh, the pictures, oh, they just loved them. Girdled with girdles upon their loins. Doesn't Jesus have a girdle? Hmm? Hmm? But see, people love the world more. All them are princes to look at after the manner of the Babylonians of Chaldea in the land of the nativity. Verse 16. And as soon as she saw them with her eyes, she doted upon all she fallen in love and sent messengers unto the Chaldea. Verse 17. And the Babylonians came to her unto the bed of love. And they defiled her with their whoredom. And she was polluted with them. And her mind was annihilated from them. And so she discovered her whoredoms and discovered her nakedness. Then my mind was annihilated from her, like as my mind was annihilated from her sister. Back to Revelation. 
God said, I forgot about it. And then he wiped Israel out. The Syrians conquered them, intermarried them, gone. Judah had a chance to repent. They didn't. They said, I like what's going on up north. And at the end, and that's why we see Jesus now. Here's Jesus with the church. The same thing is happening. But now it's happening in the church. And so Jesus tells us, back in Revelation, Thyatira, verse 22, Behold, I will. That's not a mic. That's not, well, you know. I will cast you into a bed and then I commit adultery. See, that's what it symbolizes. When you worship Santa Claus, well, I don't worship Santa Claus. Well, you let him in your house, didn't you? Got one ornament in your house? Got one Got one picture of Santa in your house? Just one. Just one. That's idolatry. I'm sorry. It just it is. Now, I mean, I'm sounding old fuddy-duddy, but no. We see the heart of God, what they were doing. I mean, they're looking at people, they're looking at things, and they want that more than God. And we do that now because our eyes can sit. We want, oh, the latest thing. We want the latest game. We want to be accepted by our peers. We want to look just like them. We don't want to honor Jesus. But that's what Jesus, look at verse 23. I will kill her children. Wow, where is the meek and lowly Jesus that loves everybody? I thought he loved all the children of the world. He does. And he said, suffer them and accept you be like them. But see, God will judge. He's going to judge. And judgment does begin at the house of the Lord. Verse 23, and I will kill her children with death. Death, mind you. This isn't, this is, this is serious, people. And all the churches shall know that I am he. Who? The one that tries the hearts, searches the reins. I will give unto everyone according to your works. Even right there. Psalm 57. That's where he's quote, quoting that from. I, Lord, I searched the hearts. I searched the reins. Remember when David, when he sinned, he said, try me, Lord. See, Jesus is going to do that. And he said, I am he which searches the reins. He knows your hearts and intents. He knows the people that are trying to fool him. He does know. And he always will. But you know what? God is infinite goodness. Always leaves us now, just like with Jonah. God of the second chance. Verse 24. But unto you I say, and unto the rest of Thyatira. Well, why is there two distinct groups here? Well, remember, there's one camp following Jezebel. They're seduced, they're saint, they're, they're, they're drinking the Kool-Aid. They're involved in, you know, all this worldly preaching. I mean, they preach and teach the sacrifice idol, but what's the what's the number one thing people do sometimes? They get caught up in their works, you know. Save the children, save the fun, save save the homeless. Let's go pass out food, you know, food lines and all good deeds in themselves. But they're just that good deed. They weren't done in the name of the Lord. They're doing it. Why? Most of the time for honor amongst themselves. But the Lord, Lord changed that. And I've, I've literally seen it happen with my own eyes. Not so much the people dying. I can't really attribute someone's judgment to death. I know he brought me pretty close to it. But I've seen churches close. Remember, we saw back in Ephesus, one time he said that, remember when he said he'll remove the candlestick out of his place. See, now we're going to see the, these ones, that the rebukes or the condemnations to Jesus are personal. But now we have a separation. Why? Because there are two distinct classes in this church. But unto you, I say, verse 24, to the rest of Thyatira, as many as have this doctrine, and which have not known the devil's sake, 
You know, some people come to church, they just really don't know. What I'm telling you about Santa Claus, most people do not know. Most people don't know. They don't see nothing wrong with St. Nicholas. Nothing at all. Except when you really look at it. Because, again, Paul said, the was nothing. It's the demon behind it. It's the devil behind this. Because, look, think about it. What's Santa want more than anything else? To be worshipped, correct? Does he want to be every good boy? Send me a letter. Tell me all your stuff. See? He wants. Satan wants worship any way he can get it. And if he can get it that way, he'll do it to you. But the judgment will come. But unto the rest of you, I say, unto the rest of Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak. Don't listen to what the people are saying. I will put upon them none other burden. You know, it's like what God said in Romans 1. This ignorance God winked at. How much sin does God wink at in your life? Just kind of, God doesn't really put the finger on it. But sometimes your own heart does. Sometimes that still small voice of the Spirit does. But you know, God in his love, the Bible, remember, remember he said in Isaiah, a bruised reed, he's not going to break you. He's not going to bust you. When you're hurting, when you when you got repented or when God gives you a sauce, oh, if you don't know what that is, that's the moment for a whipping. God takes you in there and whom he loved, every son he received with these scourges. When God gives you a whipping, when you don't like it, well, just know that this is why. But verse 25, we're close. But that which I have already hold fast, I come. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing what you're doing. And if you're doing nothing, well, stop doing that. Do something else. He that overcometh and keepeth, I like this, my works. My works. My works. This is, you do the works of God. What does Jesus believe on me? This is the works of God. Believe on him that he has sent. Right? Hold your faith. Hold on to your faith. You overcome. And this last one here. Remember when he speaks about the churches? We've got to stop here. I'll just jump right through it. I can't get to the rod. He that have an ear, let him hear. And I like this little diddly right here. Listen in silence. Don't the same limits. You know, that's why the Bible says, he doesn't say he doesn't have a mouth. He says he doesn't have an ear. We're to listen. We're to listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. And we're to listen to what the Spirit says to you. Okay, let's close. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and praise you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your word and thank you for the message to this church, Father. We just hope, Lord, that you would hope that you'd put this word in our heart and help us, Lord, as we go forth this day to praise you. Give our pastor great others, Father, and give us ears also to hear this message. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.